Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone online and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you bet you win you get paid bet us in the south it's always college football season and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long now more college football talk with the king of college football it's the chuck oliver show on southern sports today Hour two of the Chuck Oliver Show coming to you on a Thursday ahead of Marquee Games by Brand. And then you'll have some games that you normally understand the brand. We go, eh, what is that really? Uh, I'm talking Georgia-Florida. That is one of the shortlist games, at least by brand reputation. And almost, almost every season, there is a whole lot to be playing for down in Jacksonville. And for Georgia to continue what they have, yeah, that's as much as it can be. National championship, that's what is on their mind. For Florida, uh, it is a different kind of all-in. And for Dan Mullen as well, because at this point, you don't want to look around and go, how do we have four losses? Uh, how do we have four losses in conference? How do we have four losses in in conference uh and that is what you're looking at uh, honestly in just a couple of days so that's one of them the other matchup for instance that you're looking at thinking oh did we watch that i can't remember uh michigan state and michigan michigan state who insist we have a big rivalry with y'all and wolverine fans are like oh that's right well they're both undefeated and they're both top either 10 or top eight maybe and so you've got just wild spectrum of games all over the uh, the slate and uh, plenty to be decided. But uh, like I said, when you get into November, uh, a lot of the bye weeks are done. Um, used to be, time was, this was the, the second bye week, almost always. The rivalry game at the end of the season, you would park the beatable opponent 
ahead of the rivalry game. And so you would have a little bit of a layup or at least a chance to stay sharp but then get everybody out of the game. I remember years and years years ago, and I can't remember. Maybe it was one season. Maybe it was more. I don't know. Um, I think – I want to say there have been schools that have had a bye week in the last regular season Saturday of the season. And I want to say Auburn had that one time. And I remember Tommy Tuberville going, we want to be arrested for the SEC title game. I'm like, all right, good for you. Uh, so we will talk uh, again, some of those teams getting to the playoffs. One of them, uh, we've already talked to Ohio State today. We will talk uh, Oklahoma with Tyler McComas. That's coming up in about 10. And then bottom of the hour, uh, we'll talk Auburn, as a matter of fact, with our good friend Brian Matthews. But right now, I'm going to get you up to date. Everything you need to know about college football every single day. This is CFB 365. Headline. LSU not able to hold full practice. That's a headline from last night after Ed Ogeron said, yeah, we can't hold a full practice due to the number of injuries. It's not just injuries, but then also said that uh, we got a scrimmage scheduled tomorrow, and we're not even going to have that at all. Uh, scrimmage is whatever the number of plays you pick, and you can pick some scenarios, but it's it's some one versus one, and it's some getting out, out there, and actually you may tackle to the ground and things like that. You might. Uh, but that's that's scrapped as well because they don't have enough players. And there are a lot of injuries. There are also some guys who are just kind of hurt. And, and I'm not 100%, so I'm injured now. Um, there's, there's some of that going on in Baton Rouge. And uh, it is, it's not looking like a fun November for them. Ain't no doubt about it. Headline, bowl season group argues against using campus sites. There is a, you have the college football playoff committee and you capitalize all those words. There is a group called bowl season. What are y'all? Oh, we're the bowl season. And it's a bunch of people who represent the 43 postseason bowl games and bowl season executives, capital B, capital S bowl season executives have sent a letter this week to hundreds of leaders in college football. That's presidents, ADs, coaches, Bill Hancock, whomever, asking that any future college football playoff games in potential expansion models, we're going from four to six to eight to 10 to 12 to 16 to 122, whatever. Please hold those at bowl sites instead of on campus. The letter from bowl season executive says, we believe any plan on them within the traditional bowl structure, not the home site of one of the participating teams. The bowls would provide a neutral, competitively fair setting for these games as they have throughout their history. No, you just want the action. You want the business. You don't want, uh, for instance, you know, Ole Miss gets into an expanded playoff. And so you're going to have Ole Miss and Michigan State play in a first-round game. Hey, we're going to put that on campus. You're going to play in Oxford. And, of course, you have someone in a bowl game in Frisco, Texas. Yeah. And in and, and Albuquerque. And out in Tempe and everywhere else in, in San Diego, you've got all these places going, uh, no, don't play it in Oxford. Y'all come on out here. And so they just want the business. That's what it is. Uh, real quick, lawsuit alleging sexual harassment against Rich Rodriguez and the University of Arizona. Gone. He harassed me, his former assistant at U, uh, U of A, says, among other things, like Rich Rodriguez walk around the office, no pants on. Non-standard. Uh, but that was the allegation. And now four years later, the lawsuit alleging that harassment and then also throwing the University of Arizona in because y'all protected him. It's been dismissed. 
and Rich Rodriguez's attorney, he spiked the football, man. This brings to closure a four-year saga affirming what we have maintained from the beginning. It was a complete fabrication. The scheme failed. She did not receive. This is a quote from the attorney. Her scheme failed. She did not receive a single cent from my client or the University of Arizona. So that is in the rear view. And the reason I mention that is because it might make it a little more likely that he goes from calling plays as an assistant to being a head coach again. I don't know. He's a good coach. Didn't work out at Arizona. Didn't really work out at Michigan. But the plays work, I promise. Final headline, Old Dominion is going to be the 14th member of the Sun Belt beginning in 2023. I don't think that the Conference U- I don't think Conference USA is going to exist anymore. It could be like the old WAC, Western Athletic Conference. There was something called the Western Athletic Conference, and it's gone now. They got a national championship in 84 with BYU. And the WAC used to be Air Force and BYU. It was good football. And then a lot of them move up to Mountain West, and then some Mountain West programs moved up to the Big 12. You see how this goes. And then Big 12 is going to the SEC. The SEC, you know the only step forward is like Alabama says, I'd like to announce we're moving to the NFL. Like, there's nothing above the SEC. So once OU and Texas, all right, we're at the top now. Not true at Conference USA. Uh, Consider yourself up to date. We are going to take a quick break, and we will come back with more of the Chuck Oliver Show on this Thursday next. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. If you have been watching the Oklahoma Sooners this season, and I was going all the way back to week one, it was high noon, they were playing Tulane, and I was like, let's make get away from the green wave. But they can score a little bit, so maybe I'll be entertained. I was entertained. And I kept being entertained. And I, I, I've talked about it. Oklahoma... They spent basically the entire season playing with matches. And at this point, nothing has really burned down. If you take out the game against Western Carolina, no disrespect to the countabouts, in the four games against FBS opponents before Texas, um, Oklahoma's offense, it just wasn't right. They didn't get 200 yards rushing in any of the first four games before Texas against FBS. They're going for 261 a game on the ground since the quarterback switch, and it looks incendiary. Now, what the issue was the first month, and what about the offensive line, and, well, hey, how's the defense playing? There's all kinds of things that I was assuming a lot of us were about OU going into the season, and we're all looking around going, how am I so wrong? Well, if you would have asked me, what do you think Oklahoma's record will be after eight games, I would have said 8-0. So I guess in the most bottom line way, most of us were correct about Oklahoma, but boy, it sure doesn't look the way I was expecting, including the Heisman Trophy finalist and maybe first overall pick. Yeah, he, he don't play anymore. I want to welcome on right now a guy that we've always loved catching up with when it comes time to talk OU from Sports Talk 1400 out yonder in Norman. It is Tyler McComas. Tyler, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How about you, Chuck? Doing pretty good. Uh, Let's talk about the Sooners' offense first and the first month of the season versus the second month of the season, roughly. And I'm, again, not talking, you know, Western uh, Carolina, but against the FBS opponents, I mean, it's been night and day. It can't just be Caleb Williams, or can it? Oh, man. It's the offensive line that has been really the struggle this year. I mean, really all the position groups. It was really struggling leading up to the Texas game. And then Caleb Williams has given you an added dynamic that you just didn't have with Spencer Rattler. You're seeing big plays in the run game right now. And, hey, it was not perfect at all. 
Saturday against Kansas offensively. But as we sit after eight games, OU has the same yards per, yards per play average as Alabama does. It's pretty good, right? So Caleb Williams has brought another dimension to this offense. Uh, they're able to throw the deep ball now. Um, they're just able to do a lot of different things. It's opened up the run game, sure, but it's not like it's been perfect up to this point. Uh, Caleb Williams threw a pretty poor interception against KU in the first half, but man, he is just, um, he's given you an added threat that they didn't have before. And slowly but surely, it seems like maybe they're getting back to that big play offense that they've been with Lincoln in the past. Yeah, you know, Texas is good. They got some studs and TCU, they can run around. I mean, everybody's got scholarship kids. Um, give me your impression of the defense because I was thinking, I was telling everybody, I was like, folks, we're used to just light up the scoreboard. OU, Alex Grinch, they may have a top five defense. Uh, tell me now, two months into the season, what you think about the OU defense this year. Not very good. Um, this has been, it's been disappointing. There's no other way to say it. They have 89 missed tackles this year through eight games. So they're averaging double-digit missed tackles every single game. Georgia, on the other hand, I think they're right around like four missed tackles per game. That's a huge discrepancy. I know that Georgia's probably the best defense in all of college football right now, but 89 missed tackles is unacceptable. And, and yeah, they're beat up in the back end, and they've got some guys missing, but it's no excuse to play the way that you did against Kansas. Fundamentally, they're bad. Uh, they had a ton of penalties last Saturday in Lawrence. You know, teams are averaging 7.2 yards per play this month, in the month of October. Yikes. Last year, that number was at 5.2. And Alex Grinch's first year, it wasn't even that bad. So, you know, it pains a lot of people around here to say it. But, Chuck, the month of October has been Mike Stoops 2017-2018. When, when, and I still think that those are – two of the worst defenses OU's ever thrown out there in school history. Like, numbers-wise, this is kind of what we're talking about right now. Like, worst defense in school history, I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. It's shocking to everyone right now. But these numbers are really, really poor, and it's hard to find something that they're doing, you know, doing something well defensively. It, it, it's a complete shock. Yeah, Ronnie Perkins, come home. Um, let's talk a little bit about the opponent. And uh, you cover OU, but, I mean, you know what's going on across the line of scrimmage. Texas Tech, here's what I can't get anybody to believe. I was like, they're not bad, folks. They could win this game Saturday. They just fired their coach. I was like, it's October in Texas. Te Do you think people realize this, Tyler? It's October. The Red Raiders could be bowl eligible in October if they win on Saturday. Um, yeah, they're they, not they, a bad yeah. team. They're, they're not, and that's why I'm shocked that this is a 20-point spread. Like, we're all here in Oklahoma looking around saying, like, uh, what, what's going on? How, how are these guys a 20-point favorite? They couldn't even beat KU by 20 points. They trailed in the fourth quarter. What's going on here? Yeah, Ezukama, look, teams have been able to throw a deep on OU this year. Ezukama's maybe the best receiver that they faced up to this point. Um, and now you've got Sonny Cumbie coming as, as the interim yep. head coach. Like I don't, I don't think that he's going to be one of the front runners to get the job. So what do you got to lose? Throughout the kitchen sink, right? Like your best job interview, if you're Sonny Cumbie, is to go beat Oklahoma on the road and finish this year, you know, like three and one, four and one down the stretch, whatever it is. So this is a job opportunity for Sonny Cumbie, and I think that that should make OU fans nervous. They're healthy offensively. This is going to be the second best offense behind Texas that they've seen up to this point. I think they might even play a freshman quarterback who looks like Vince Young in a uniform. I'm not saying he's as good, but oh yeah. 
of measurables, that's kind of how he's built. So, yeah, man, like not only do I think OU's not going to cover the 20, I'm sitting around here thinking, like, why, why should I believe that this is going to be easy? It wasn't easy against Tulane, West Virginia, Nebraska, Texas, Kansas State, or even Kansas. Why would Texas Tech be any different? And maybe Vegas knows. Maybe Vegas knows and OU will win this game by 24 points, but I think all of us around here are struggling to see that scenario play out. If we look over the final season, you're right. I mean, Texas Tech, what's happening Saturday? I don't know. I'll watch and find out. Then it's off week, and then it's Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State may be getting found out a little bit. Um, they don't really play Big 12 football, uh, but but whatever. It's three ranked teams, and it's going to be three legit opponents. At this point, I'm supposed to be looking at an undefeated Oklahoma team thinking they're going to be peaking, they're going to be rising, they're going to be getting ready for you know the Big 12 championship, and then on to the playoffs. Just give me your, your, your short version here. Does this look like an OU team that has it in them to be peaking in five weeks and then get into the playoffs and make hay? Not, not to me. Uh, I mean, they call it championship November here, and it, it happens seemingly every single year. OU normally kind of tries to find itself in the month of October, but, man, when November happens, boom. That's when they go on their run. That's when they start rolling. That's when they start playing their best ball. But all I hear right now from press conferences is Alex Trench talking all the time about how the defense doesn't practice well enough. They don't practice hard enough. Uh, I hear Lincoln Riley saying that this team has to practice a whole lot better. I saw a team Saturday that came out and literally would have been rather been anywhere else in the country rather than Lawrence, Kansas. I don't see this team playing with a lot of motion. I don't see this team playing with a lot of energy. I don't see this team playing complimentary football. It's happened one half all year long, and it was the second half against Texas. Maybe they will, though. Maybe they will turn it on in the month of November like they always do. But your question was, do I feel like they're close to that? I don't feel like they're close to that, Chuck. I, I really I really don't, and I don't think I'm in the minority around here thinking that. It, but yeah, you're 8-0 for the first time since 2004. That's impressive in itself. But the feeling around here is, I don't know, you better get a lot better really quickly. Or, yeah, you're 8-0 right now, and you may be 9-0 come Sunday. But yours is coming, and not only may you get beat here those last three games of the season, you might do it in embarrassing fashion to someone. You got you think if a program like Oklahoma, you got to go all the way back to that was Adrian Peterson's freshman year, I think. And you're talking about yeah, 16, 17 years at a program like OU since the last time you started eight and zero, and it's supposed to be man, look at the team we got, and look, I, everything I'm hearing you say, I'm like, yep, yep, agree, yep. Um, there are some issues, and they're 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 fortunate that they're still eight and zero, and at least have the opportunity to work their way. They easily could be Dabo and Clemson and have three losses. Um, oh, man, totally. I always appreciate. I always appreciate the insight. It's good stuff, brother. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Tyler. Yeah, you bet, Chuck. See you, man. All right, Tyler McComas, Sports Talk 1400. They easily could be Dabo. Staring at three losses. And we talk about a loss to Georgia. If you talk about a loss to NC State. if you um, A loss to Kansas, which could have happened. No, they wound up beating by double digits. Oklahoma scored a touchdown, I think, in the final minute or five. And it counted. And it was part of the original 60 minutes. So, sure, it's valid. But I want to say, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was 28-23. And Kansas has the ball and a chance to win. And then they don't. And then OU gets it back. And it's like, all right, now we're going to make it 35. As he said, uh, they're losing in the fourth quarter. They're getting shut out at halftime. 10-zip. Kansas is horrid. And that was happening. 
Texas Tech, they ain't bad. Great weekend of college and pro action ahead. Let's get you a look at some of the lines brought to you by BetUS. I'm Dan Matthews, and let's get to those odds. How about we start with the cocktail party down in Jacksonville, Georgia, a 14-point favorite over Florida. Dogs are minus 600 money line. Gators plus 450. Over-under is 51. Ole Miss is at Auburn. The home Tigers are the three-point favorite. They are minus 140 on the money line. The Rebels are plus 120. Over-under is 66. Michigan on the road. In-state rivalry game against Michigan State. They're also a four-point favorite. Wolverines are minus 190 on the money line. Spartans are plus 165. Over-under is 50 and a hook. Ohio State hosting Penn State. Buckeyes favorite by 18 and a half. They are minus 900 on the money line at Nittany Lions plus 650. Over under is 61. How about the pros? The Steelers are at the Browns. Cleveland favored by three and a half. They are minus 180 on the money line. Pittsburgh plus 160. Over under is 42. Buccaneers at the Saints as Tampa Bay is favored by six on the road. They are minus 250 on the money line. New Orleans is plus 210. The over-under is 50. Sunday night football. Cowboys favored by two on the road against the Vikings. Dallas minus 130 money line. Minnesota is plus 110. Over-under is 55. How would you like to earn some money this weekend? Well, you can do so without even playing when you enter a couple of promo codes for BetUS with the promo code SST125. BetUS is giving you a 125% sign-up bonus. For example, that first deposit is $100. You're getting an extra $125. you using cryptocurrency? That's cool. Enter the promo code SST200. When you do this, you get a 200% sign-up bonus on crypto deposits. So if that first crypto deposit is $100, you're getting an extra $200. Let's look at some of the odds for the weekend coming up in football brought to you by BetUS, America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. Now back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. The Auburn Tigers will be hosting Ole Miss Saturday evening. I think it's a 6 o'clock local kick, 7 Eastern Yonder and Jordan-Hare. And it's a chance for Auburn to to take a season that is kind of floating down a pretty nice river and then take it in an even better direction. If Auburn, because Auburn's their final uh, five games, it's not easy. Nothing about it's going to be easy. But they're at a spot right now where you look at the record and you go five and two, all right? And you look at who they've played and who they've lost to, and you're like, well, there's a chance they've lost to the two best teams they played. However, they have also played pretty good football themselves, especially against Arkansas and then the comeback against LSU. So there's a lot of positives there. And in that you entered the season, I'm an Auburn grad and a fan, and I'm transparent about that, in that you entered the season without necessarily division or conference or natty hopes, I think the typical Auburn fans looking at five and two and going, this is a chance to be a really good season and the springboard, the jumping on. This is the ramp up with Brian Harson. This is the it's all brand new and we don't have everything in place. Now, 
lose to Ole Miss or Texas A&M or whatever, and then the warm fuzzy goes away. But the point is, what we're all seeing right now that I don't want to get lost in just the wins and losses um, is that this team is better, and they have made improvements. Um, that is my observation from the outside. Man who's there every single day and has been for about two decades, I'm going to call him a good friend of mine. Uh, from the Auburn Rivals site, uh, it is Brian Matthews. Brian, brother, how are you today? I'm doing great. You pretty much summed it up. I'm not sure I need to have anything more to add. That was that was perfect because this is a big game for Auburn if they're going to step up and uh, compete. And this is a SEC West, same for Ole Miss. This is a key game for both teams. Uh, let's talk a little bit uh, off-field first, and I, I want to preview Ole Miss and then what's possible the rest of the season. Um, and I've always said, Brian, when the governor gets involved in college football, uh, that means it's serious. Um, Kay Ivey now speaking out saying, resist the Biden mandates. Uh, bottom line, are there any dots to connect that I'm missing? Brian Harson, my understanding is he ain't got his vaccination and he has till December 8th to get it. Uh, is that a too simple version or is that pretty accurate? I think that's pretty accurate, although, you know, he's not come out and said specifically he is, has or Correct. has not been vaccinated. I, I think it's fair to assume he hasn't. Um, and, you know, I, I don't care what a politician says. Uh, the university came out with a mandate because of the executive action that was taken about federal money and, and the university, of course, in Alabama. And most um, public universities take a lot of federal money, so they're not going to get $200 million for Auburn. Yep. So uh, that it's there. It's there to stay. The only um, thing I think that people are not really taking into consideration this matter is, and this is what I've been told. I'm not a lawyer, an expert on this, but supposedly, or, or what I've heard is, it's fairly simple in the state of Alabama to get a religious exemption from a vaccine. So, if that's the case, um, this may be a non-story to begin with. There you go. But it is out there, and it is, I think it's December 6th or December 8th, maybe, is the state mandate, and so we will see how that advances. Um, all right, back out on the field, which I always say is 99% more interesting than anything going on off the field. Uh, let's talk Auburn to this point, and give me your download on Bo Nix, uh, because this really has been his season, despite the presence of T.J. Finley, another guy who started in the conference. That's right, and, you know, Bo was playing better. You go back to the LSU game where he made those incredible plays, but I would say that his Arkansas performance was much better because this was one where he didn't have to run around and scramble and make, you know, incredible, you know, ESPN uh, top 100 or, you know, top 10 plays or whatever. You know, he, he sat in the pocket and um, delivered the ball, completed over 80% of his passes, uh, had two of Auburn's three longest passes against the Razorbacks on the road. So I think that gives him the offense, the receiving core that struggled all season a lot more confidence going forward this season. If we look at Tank, uh, the Penn State game, it was tough yards, and, brother, he earned it, and he got in the end zone. And even in a loss, you saw, all right, that might be the best Tank Bigsby. Let's go. Uh, The next four weeks, it has been pretty obvious to me that the opponent has said, well, four is not going to beat us. And the Auburn offense to this point, for the most part, has been patient enough to to work the other backs, to work the passing game, et cetera. you tell me what you think's been going on with uh, Tank and the opponent's defense and then how this plays out in the rest of the season for Auburn. Well, I think you're right. The defenses are trying to gear up to stop the run because I know Auburn has struggled to throw the ball, um, especially the receivers catching and running good routes and getting open and competing for one-on-one ball. So that's been the approach of most defensive coordinators. That said, I mean, Tank's average on only about 40, 45 yards of a game the last four. And Albert's got to get him going, even if a team does stick an extra guy or two in the box. 
you know, you still can run the ball if, if, if you have, um, you know, the right horses in, in place and you have the will, willingness to do that. So I think that's something that they are working hard on. And I also think the improvement you're seeing in Auburn's passing game should help that too. But that's the biggest area that Auburn can improve, I think, out of the bye week is running the ball on first and second down and getting Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter really going. Kobe Hudson, uh, talk about his development and possibly his emergence as the guy. I, I think they were featuring, and we may have talked about this, Demetrius Roberts in the first two weeks, I was like, they're going to reward the kid for coming over here as a transfer. They're going to give him some touches against the beatable opponents. But when they've gotten to conference play, it's really been Kobe, hasn't it? He has been Auburn's most consistent guy from the start. The guy who doesn't have many drops, who gets open, who can make make some plays in the receiving game, right? A, a guy who's dependable. Where the other guys have sort of been up and down for various reasons. Um, now it was Demetrius and Javarius Johnson who made the big plays uh, against Arkansas, uh, but it's been Kobe all season, I think, and he has taken some steps forward. I think he is Auburn's best receiver. I don't think he's a you know an NFL game breaker, you know, a number one guy necessarily. But he's the best of what Auburn's got right now. And the other guys around him are starting to get better. Um, I see Kobe really as a possession guy, you know, if Auburn has the right people around him. Uh, but right now, he's just got to be the number one guy. Javaris Johnson, um, who I've called him the little guy. He's not short. He's just kind of thin. Uh, um, but Javaris Johnson yeah. is a kid that I heard a lot. Uh, hey, he may be the emerging. He may be the breakout. And then he got hurt a little bit early in the season. As you said, against Arkansas, I boom, touchdown. Um, what do you think the blue sky is for him, possibly? I'm just picking a guy that I've noticed a little bit and been told about. And I'm wondering what, what potentially he may be. Well, uh, you know, I think he's a solid guy. He's about 5'10", 159 maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe 160. Maybe. So he's not a big guy. He's had a lot of injury um, issues his first two seasons and even in this year. So I think it's hard for him to stay healthy uh, playing SEC football at times. But uh, when he is healthy, he's a really good, quick guy to play in that slot position, right? Maybe not a game breaker, but a guy who can get open and make plays and, and be a uh, a quality slot receiver for Auburn at least this season. All right, let's talk specific matchup with Ole Miss for a little bit. And uh, I'm not going to say I'm worried, but Auburn has not done a very good job just covering receivers. I mean, the basic, and I look at that too deep, Brian, I'm like upperclassman, 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 guy who started yeah. a ton. I mean, all over that depth chart, there are experienced, quality players. I haven't seen them cover very well. Um, give me your impression of the secondary and how that may uh, manifest versus Matt Corral. Well, I haven't either, but I think that's an issue. Uh, that's an area they're getting better at. I think part of the problems, you know, you go back to Penn State that really stood out then early in the season. They're adjusting to Derek Mason and his schemes, which he, he does a lot of different type of zone coverages, mixes them up a lot. We're under Kevin Steele, it was 90 plus percent, you know, man coverage, um, press man. So, these guys aren't used to doing that, and I think it has taken an adjustment, especially when you're going up against really good receivers and good offenses and good offensive coordinators. But they're getting there, I think. It's not perfect, and you know they still had trouble against Arkansas on third down, big-time trouble, right? So um, that's an area they need to clean up, too. That's, that's why I mentioned uh, the running game on, on offense. The defense has got to tighten up their uh, coverage, too, I think, coming on the bye week. That's a, that's a big area of improvement. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, really, is just a couple of guys on defense. Owen Popo, uh, health status and ability to run around and get 10 tackles? Uh, we're expecting him back this week, and I think that's a big addition to the defense. You need guys who are fast and quick at linebacker who can tackle in space when you've got a guy like Matt Carell, um, you know, the oldest quarterback, the Heisman 
trophy candidate, um, a guy who can run for almost 200 yards against Tennessee and, of course, sit in the pocket and carry you apart. So you need guys like Owen Popo and your defense, and I think Alvin will have them back this week. Right, last thing I want to ask you about is up front, Colby Wooden, I mean, kind of sucking all the air out of the room because it's really easy to say, oh, wow, look, it's 25 again. Uh, talk Zykevious Walker and a little bit of Derek Hall as well because when you get that second guy who can bear down on the quarterback, that's when you really make it tough on the O-line. Yeah, you know, Zykevious has been a little banged up. Um, um, I haven't actually stepped on the status this week, but uh, I don't think it was anything serious. I'd be surprised if he wasn't able to play. Uh, mm-hmm. But around Colby, you know, a guy like Marcus Harris, I think has probably been the other most consistent defensive lineman Auburn's had all season. You know, he tends to get in there and make plays, make the big plays against um, uh, Arkansas where he had the fumble recovery. And then on the next possession, made that fourth down stop, which turned into the 71-yard touchdown pass on yep. the very next play. So he really had a big part in changing the total momentum of that game up there in, in Arkansas. So those are a couple of guys I think up front. And then Derek Hall. Uh, on the edge, along with Akulia, who stepped up um, uh, really in the last few games. They've been playing really good for Auburn here lately, putting pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks, and, and making some plays in the run game, too. All right, now, Lyd, I just have one more quick one. Joko Willis has gotten on the field. Why him? And there's a lot of linebackers, and they all kind of look the same. They're runners and hitters. Um, why was, how, how has Willis kind of forced his way onto the field a little bit? Well, a lot of guys on this team have really moved up because they go on the scout team or go on special teams and play really well and then get more playing time uh, with the regular units. Um, Landon King, the tight end, is another example. Yeah. Uh, Joko Willis, I don't remember which game it was, but we had a big hit on a, either a kick or punt return. Um, and I think that's sort of um, shown his ability to, to do some things in special teams and to help out a little bit more. A little undersized right now uh, at linebacker, yeah. but I think a guy that after he puts a year into the system is going to be pushing for a starting job next year because Auburn's going to have some serious turnover at the linebacker position after after the season. Follow him on Twitter at BMATAU. Been covering Auburn for two decades and does a tremendous job. Brian, I appreciate you, friend. Thank you. Man, I appreciate it. Go Braves. All right, Brian Matthews, exactly. Uh, he's from the local Atlanta guy as well. Appreciate him coming on. Uh, I think Brian is from Decatur, I believe, just outside Atlanta. So um, appreciate his time. But that's been up front very easy. It doesn't take much insight. And I'm watching – I might have been at some point last year, I was like, okay, he's different. But if you watch this year, it doesn't take great insight. You don't have to have any sort of great knowledge to be me sitting on the couch going – Wow, he's really good. Uh, and and that's my my fair assessment of Colby Wooden. But it's the it's the other guy. And typically we think other edge and that could be Derek Hall and Leota who he mentioned who is the kid he transferred down from uh, Northwestern. And well Marcus Harris who we mentioned actually transferred from Kansas. Uh it's just kind of what it is these days. Uh, Tony Fair transferred from UAB. My goodness. Uh but Leota is the kid on the uh on the edge and he's a, he's a wave player. He's a rotation guy. But the past couple of weeks, what he looks like is kind of a sturdy dude coming off the edge who looks a little bit more grown man than a lot of the offensive linemen he's been. He's just a tough, rugged kid. And I think with Leota, it's kind of a slow bleed. Like you watch Colby Wooden for like five plays, you're like, God almighty. Look at Leota. It may take like two or three weeks and you're like, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're good with him. We're better with him. He's part of the answer. And I'm looking at the numbers and what. He's part of the answer. And so when you say part of the answer, that's rotation, wave guy, et cetera. And it ain't a bad thing to bring in a 21-year-old kid, uh, upperclassman who's already played in the Big Ten and now the SEC, 
and he's one of your first guys off the bench because you got to have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 maybe. Just you keep rolling them in. And Owen Popo was the other one that I want to ask about as well because he has been missing. Oh, gosh. He hadn't been 100% running around in, I bet, three games, maybe more. Didn't play against Georgia. Didn't play Whatever it is, if he's back, uh, that makes everything a little better. And they got linebackers as well. When Popo and Chandler Wooten and Kobe McClain are out there, everybody's running around doing their thing. It's a, it's about as productive and capable for what they're being asked to do. It's about as productive and capable. I love Auburn's linebackers, as you're going to find anywhere in the conference. Now, when I say, and what they're asked to do, for instance, sorry, you have to go here because you're in the same conference. You have no choice who you get compared to. You're compared to the best in your conference, and right now that's Georgia. The difference is, in Athens, what they're willing to ask their linebackers to do because they got a bunch of them. And they're all really good as well. And so when the Kobe Dean, you look at him and go, hmm, maybe there's some more things we can at Alabama, especially if you had Chris Allen. Hmm, what can we ask him to do? What they ask them to do at Auburn, that they're about as productive and as good as you're going to find anywhere in the SEC, especially when Papo is back. Um, because I use that phrase all the time, runners and hitters. The first part, runners, that, that's Papo about as good as you're going to find anywhere in college football. I mean, that kid can fly, and he's also beefed up. He's pushing probably 230 now. All right, so we're going to break. We will come back, wrap up on this Thursday next. Always college football time in the South. Now back to more of the king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. When you're throwing the ball that many times, uh, you, you better play a pretty darn good team defense because um, they're they're very good at what they do. You know they uh, uh, you know seem to dink and dunk, and then next thing you know, they're gonna uh, take their shots and can hit you with chunk plays. Very subdued Mark Stoops on the SEC teleconference, and he was asked about defending Will Rogers and the Mississippi State Bulldogs offense. He probably wasn't asked about defending Will Rogers because Will Rogers, he's doing his job and fantastic and and, and good for him. Um, but it's not – like I would ask you, for instance, hey, how are you going to defend Matt Corral? This is how you're going to defend that offense. And it is just the it's, – it's the – down by down by down by down by down pressure to make the tackle make the tackle make the tackle when i say that this is will rogers game log and again they play saturday night and starting by the way folks that's gonna be the bet that might be that might be the best game in the sec this week kentucky at mississippi state clash of styles and two relatively evenly matched teams that both like to hit you a little bit on defense can get physical over there i can't get enough of kentucky mississippi state and outside of those two fan bases, I don't know that that really carries. Auburn Ole Miss, I'm in. Georgia, Florida, hmm. What else do we got? We got Mizzou and Vandy this weekend. A lot of bye weeks. Here's Will Rogers. When Mark Stoop says, and you've got to be ready, and I say you got to make the tackle. Just make the tackle, that's all. Will Rogers. His seven games this season, I'm just giving you pass attempts, and none of this is going to surprise – well, no, some of this may surprise you, actually. It's that gargantuan. Four, pass attempts week one versus Louisiana Tech all the way up to, uh, what, last Saturday in Nashville. Passing attempts by Mississippi State quarterback Will Rogers. 
47 49 against Memphis. He threw the ball 67 times, and they should have won that game. They got uh, the officials did not help them. Uh, against LSU, 62 pass attempts. Texas A&M, 59. Alabama, 55. Vanderbilt, 57. It may be a 49-9 to loss. He attempted 55 passes in that. It may be a 45-6 to win. He attempted 57. And it doesn't change based on score because that's the offense. Normally, you think you got a passing offense and they get up and, and so you call off the dogs. That's that's not what they their offense just functioning, whether it's the fourth quarter and you're up by five touchdowns. And more than anything, you just kind of want the clock to be running. You have that forward long handoff. You know what the stretch play is? A lot of times it's the quarterback. And now there's a lot of it because the running back's going to stretch it outside and then cut in. But watch the quarterback. He's going to turn around. He's going to get that long arm. And you're going to have the handoff way outside past the guard. Stretch play. That's kind of what Mississippi State does, except they call it a bubble screen. Like, instead of the long handoff out near the garden and tackle or the tight end or wherever, it's the really long handoff. It's called a pass. And it's a bubble screen, not a tunnel screen. That's different. That's coming towards the quarter. Bubble screen going towards the sidelines. That's their version of working the ground game. I will say that against Vanderbilt, for instance, 39-point win against Vanderbilt. 57 pass attempts by Will Rogers. I want to add in the fourth quarter rushing attempts to the fourth quarter pass. Because if Will Rogers threw 11 passes in the fourth quarter, that may be the same as Hendon Hooker or Bo Nix or, or Miles, whoever, handing the ball off 11 times in the fourth quarter that's how their offense functions and so normally that's a blowout win and he didn't even play or it's a blowout win and he didn't even throw the ball or we normally don't throw the ball but we're behind so let's chunk it it doesn't change if you cover up the score and just look at the stats yeah it doesn't really give you an indication of who they're playing or what the outcome was so mark stoops is like yeah it's gonna be all night it doesn't matter what happens dan how are you Oh, man, I'm good. And, you know, with Kentucky in Mississippi State this week, by the way, Kentucky only a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Mississippi State, a team who doesn't run the football all that well, Chuck, but I think that the other part of it as well that Vegas is trying to get us on right there is they're trying to say, well, Mike Leach gets at least somebody once a year, and in this case, you could also wonder, well, did he already get Texas A&M, or could he even get two? Because I just wonder if you are able to outpass Kentucky, because I think the only way that really Mississippi State wins this game is they're able to get out in front, and Kentucky has to play catch-up. I believe in Mike Leach and his ability to be able to sustain and even build on much more than I believe in Liam Cohen and Will Levis to be able to build up and be able to try to build back in i have to the point with this season last year i put my hands up at the beginning i was like i've got one team with 55 players and one with 80 i don't know what's going to happen today folks this is going to be a weird season texas a&m you just talked about maybe they got maybe it's texas a&m who they got texas a&m could lose to to lsu and auburn in the final month and finish with four losses and so it's, i don't know what that win means i don't know if it counts as leach getting his you know his one this year it could be that if they beat kentucky 
at the end of the season, we look back and go, at least record-wise, that's the best team they beat. The only thing that worries me for Kentucky in this game is that we've seen them be able to get wins before. That's not the problem. I think the problem is, can you sustain when you are the one that people are coming after? I think that's something that Mark Stoops really has to guard against this week because it is an environment that can be a tough place to play. And it's also, too, it seems like a game like this could be ripe for a program like Kentucky to say, yeah, hey, maybe we don't have it today. I don't know. Dan, appreciate it. David, yonder in the uh, space uh, ship back home, I appreciate you uh, doing your job. Matt Edgar back there helping us well. Everybody listening, thank you for coming in for your college football conversation. Give me 22 hours. I will recharge the batteries, and I will be back this time tomorrow with more on the Chuck Oliver Show. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.